So I've got back into running more often lately. So it's probably like two or three times per week. I just try to run a couple miles, no big deal. I, I just enjoy the time to listen to music, to think, to pray. I enjoy running outside in nature, enjoying the warm air and God's creation. But one important thing I've learned, I really enjoy running alone. But my daughter is beginning to run cross country this fall. So she and I have begun to run together. She's getting back into shape, and I promise you I'm not too far ahead of her in that regard. And the truth is, when I run alone, I think, I pray, I listen to my music. When I run with my daughter, I enjoy our conversation and our, and our time spent together. Sometimes I feel like I really just want to be alone. But every time I run with her, I'm thankful that I did. One way gets me done faster. The other way gives me quality time with my daughter, which is by far more superior. The fruit which comes from our time together multiplies blessing in my life. We are in a series that we've been calling Ancient Paths. And what you notice as you read and meditate on God's story in the Bible is that there are these paths that He lays out for us as we learn to walk in faith. You, you notice these qualities in these men and women and decisions made by those who choose to trust God. You notice the, the commitments that God makes to them as they obediently walk with Him. I mean, these are ancient paths of faith, which many imperfect and broken and searching people have chosen to walk as they took deeper steps of trust in God. These ancient paths, well, they also serve as critical guides along our faith journeys as well. It turns out the old paths promise to get you and me to brand new places as we take steps of trust in our Heavenly Father. God says this to the prophet Jeremiah about 600 years before Jesus is born. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. So here's our big idea for today. If you want to go far, go together. There's a saying attributed to an old African proverb. It goes like this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Now, this proverb points out something that we all will experience at some point. That going it alone may get something accomplished, maybe. But going together with others is the path to take for the win. It's not necessarily our nature, however. And what I mean is, is I think a lot of us enjoy going it alone. After all, it's easier and faster that way. When driving someplace, uh, how many of us prefer to be the one behind the wheel? Like, how many of us honestly prefer to be the only one in the car? I mean, I'll tell you this, I ran track in high school because of my own insecurities and fears. It was the most individualistic sport I could find. Like there was really no team to depend on 
and there was no team for me to let down. It's, that's why it's easier to be on our phone or to escape to a man cave at home rather than to engage in conversation with our wives or do the hard work of fighting for our kids' hearts. It's way more comfortable to allow our secret addictions or sins to fester than to confide in someone or to confess or seek help. This is our preferred way and our approach to God often as well. And it's why many of us are afraid to take a step of faith or hesitant to engage in church community. Because engagement means people know you and you know others and accountability is established. Engagement means you'll be challenged by someone to step into uncomfortable places in your faith journey. You see, it's not that we all don't want to have others in our lives. I mean, I think most of us enjoy being around people to some degree. It's just easier, it's safer, and it's preferred to go it alone. There's an event which is recorded in the ancient scripture of the Old Testament of our Bible. And this is the book of Judges, which chronicles the actions of those entrusted to lead the nation of Israel about a thousand years before Jesus. Gideon was a man called by God as one of these judges to lead Israel's army to defeat an invading enemy. Now, I want you to notice the strategy that God lays out for Gideon as to how to battle. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me, they'll say. Now, announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So, 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. That's found in Judges chapter 7, starting with verse 1. So, God tells Gideon to gather an army, and he does. Then God says, hey, I'm going to do an amazing thing in and through you. There will be a battle to fight, but if you trust me, and if you walk it and do it my way, you will find sweet rest for your soul. So then God tells Gideon that he gathered too many men, because the idea is if, if Gideon defeats the Midians, Israel's going to think that it was by their own strength and, and not God's. So God tells Gideon that anyone who's afraid to fight can just go home. And, and 22,000 guys pack up and leave in that moment. Now, you or I may not have 22,000 people in our lives, but, but most of us are surrounded by a lot of people. This diagram shows the circle of relationships which we all have, all right? Now, the, the outer circle is, is the strangers, and these are the people that are in the store with us while we're shopping. Uh, they're the neighbors that you don't know, people who will be filling our Colerain and Ross Township buildings as we just reach out and, and bless our community this fall and draw others to us. The next circle is acquaintances, right? They're people you work with or you go to school with. You don't have much interaction with them, but you see them regularly. The next one in is friends. Now, these are the people you spend a lot more of your time with, socially. You know personal things about them. There is trust between you two. The next one in is family. 
Now, these are the people that you're forced to be around, you know? Like, these are the, the, you know, the good and the bad qualities about one another intimately. Here, the level of trust is usually so high that you can feel like you can be yourself without the constant fear of rejection. The next circle in is intimate relationships. And these are the people who you would do anything for, and they would do anything for you. These are the people you do life with. You can be vulnerable and authentic with them. You laugh hardest with these people, you challenge one another, they make you better. And this is a small group. And most of us will never experience these types of relationships. See, like Gideon, our 22,000 people are probably in the strangers or the acquaintances or maybe the friend circle. These are our social media friends, our Snapchat friends, right? These are the people we bump into now and again, and we even enjoy maybe their company from time to time. But honestly, these friendships are also the, the shallow relationships. They're the people who bolt at the first sign of trouble. So, there are 10,000 men left with Gideon. And look what it says in verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, This one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water up with their tongues as a dog laps water from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of the men drank from cupped hands while lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their hands and knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So God whittles down Gideon's army yet again. And this time he uses this sort of weird test to choose who will stay with Gideon and fight and those who will leave. There are two groups who drink water in two different ways. And it's a little confusing because, so the Hebrew language there is a little hard to understand, to interpret. It's possible one group got down and lapped up the water like a dog with their face in the water, while the other group cupped water into their hands and scooped up the water to their mouths. Why God chose one group to stay and the other to go, we aren't real sure. Some scholars believe that it could be that the guys who bent down and put their face in the water still had their weapons in their hands ready to fight, while maybe the guys who scooped it up with their hands had set their weapons down and weren't ready for battle while they drank. We, but we don't really know for sure. Whatever the case, Gideon is down to 300 men, and he started with 32,000. Now, this is actually the original story of 300. The other story was written by a Greek writer named Herodotus, and it tells of 300 Spartans who battled a much larger invading Persian army. This story includes, however, much more legend than reality. We have many more manuscripts of the Book of Judges and much older ones corroborating the, uh, the events detailed in Gideon's life. But fact or fiction, in the end, Herodotus' story of 300, those Spartans die but not so with Gideon's army. So what about the 10,000 men who were sent home in that second wave? Now, these may be in your friends and family circles. Like, you know these people well, and they know you. You've shared good and tough moments and seasons with these people. But when it comes to the smell of battle on the horizon, 
like how you live life in its most important things, the most important decisions you will need to make about your future, your marriage, your kids' hearts, your sin issues, your relationship with Jesus. See, these people can leave you wanting because it could be kind of awkward to talk with about them. Maybe they won't understand, we think, or they don't believe like we do, or maybe they might judge us. See, they're, they're close to us, but they're not that close. So pick it up in verse 8 here. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300, who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Then down in verse 16, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them, with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Now in the movie um, 300 about the, the Spartans fighting, there's a scene where, he, where the leader says, this is Sparta, right? And this is, this is Gideon's moment. He says, for the Lord and for Gideon. And what happens next with this small group of warriors is truly epic. At the signal, they do just as Gideon had instructed, as they surround the Midian camp, their enemies, right there in the middle of the night. With torches lit and all the noisemakers they could muster, the enemy woke up to this chaos and was thrown into confusion. They turned on each other and began killing one another while the rest of them fled. See, the victory was God's, and it came via a trusting, intimate group of men who went together. If you want to go far, go together. See, Jesus knew that this was the path forward. As he was gathering disciples and showing them what it means to, to live in obedience to this mission, he sends out his disciples to go and do ministry. Look at this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. That's found in Luke chapter 10. So Jesus splits up these 72 guys into pairs. Why? Because we're stronger when we go together. So according to Jesus, there is much harvest work to be done, like in our own hearts, as we submit more of ourselves to him and discover that we really are sons and daughters of a really good father in heaven. Jesus says that there's much harvest work to be done in our homes and in these relationship circles all around us. There's much work to be done in our city for those around us who don't know peace and what real rest for your soul could look like. And Jesus here is expressing urgency. Like the path of following Jesus is hard and it's dangerous, but it's an adventure. And we, we experience the best of it when we go together. And we must put our trust in Jesus as we move. See, you and I, we need people to do life with who are included in that intimate relationship circle. You know, I was reading one author the other day and, and I was thinking, 
when it comes to the rest and strength for our souls that you and I need, but we've been trying to find without these intimate relationships, uh, this is what this author says about that. He says, you want to get stronger, want to get tougher, get connected. See, when we face trials and challenges, those to whom we're connected can support us, help us find courage we did not find on our own. When we experience pain and loss, they can comfort us, help us back from places we not return from on our own. When we're hit by fear or anxiety, they can give us perspective, help us see things in ways we'd not see on our own. When we need truth, they can teach us, help us discover and understand what we'd not grasp on our own. When we get stuck, they can call us out, speak truth, push us forward, help us to stop or start what we'd be unable to on our own. When we face complicated questions, they can listen to us and counsel us, help us process through problems that are too difficult on our own. When we mess up, make mistakes, they can correct us and have mercy, help remind us we are loved despite our flaws and, and, and failures, something that's hard to remember on our own. When we need to be reminded that God is good, that he's right, that he's got our backs, and that the fight is worth it, going into it with faith and trust, together we move. So we discover full life when a few select people are walking the path with us towards deeper surrender to Jesus. This means that we have to seek out and narrow our focus on a smaller group of people who will speak into our faith with encouragement and challenge. So go this week and gather one or two people who are further behind you on their spiritual journeys, people that you could walk with and help guide them as you're learning to journey with Jesus as well. Go and find one or maybe two people who are at about the same place you are in your journey, that you can encourage one another in God's truth. Go and find one or two people who are further ahead of you on the path, someone who can help disciple and mentor you in relationship. Gather these people, set a regular time each week just for a small group of you to pray and read God's word and read of the paths of those who walked in faith before us. Join a life group in the month of September here at White Oak, or respond to the invitation to lead one. Join a discipleship relationship, even where there's just two or three others who are intentionally gathering together every week to learn from Jesus, to be like Jesus. This is the season that you say yes to intimate relationships. I wanna encourage you, if you haven't already, to say yes to Jesus' invitation to submit to him through baptism and start a new life with him where you're fully forgiven and washed clean and part of God's faith community. If you've never made that decision, I encourage you to do it now. With God in the lead and going shoulder to shoulder with others, there's nothing God cannot do in our lives. If we choose to go it alone or with relationships that aren't in that inner circle, you'll find yourself walking in circles. Yeah, with moments of peace, but never finding true strength and the rest for your soul as you seek out God. As these 72 guys come back 
They report to Jesus all the amazing things they saw his power doing in and through them. Now look at Jesus' response from the message version of the Bible in Luke chapter 10. Jesus said, I know, I saw Satan fall, a bolt of lightning out of the sky. See what I've given you? Safe passage as you walk on snakes and scorpions and protection from every assault of the enemy. No one can put a hand on you. All the same, the great triumph is not in your authority over evil, but in God's authority over you and presence with you. Not what you do for God, but what God does for you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. White Oak, you and me and the people around us, we need soul rest and strength from our Heavenly Father. This season, it's time, listen to me, together we move.